Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Haunting your phones, cars, and uh, wherever else you're getting your podcast uh, uh, enjoyment from. It's the Heater Podcast with uh, Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. And uh, we look forward to uh, breaking down some uh, some big news. We see uh, some nine-figure signings that did take place this week. We've had a massive trade uh, that we did talk about and say is a likely landing spot uh, for that uh, take place this week as well. A few head scratchers, uh, an owner that decides he's an everyman and uh, finds out he's not uh, as part of the the biggest story that's been going on in uh, the country intersects with the baseball world. So we'll end up talking about that a little bit here too. Uh, so all that more coming up on the Heater Podcast, which is always brought to you by River Creek Popcorn for all your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice and the Super Bowl that is coming up next week. Come hungry, leave happy. You had a lot of happy folks uh, this weekend uh, mm-hmm. with uh, super orders for Super Sunday. Yeah, I think filled about 85 orders each day or so. And it was... Me and my dad have got this figured out, this like off-season popcorn podcasting thing that we've been doing there. So we've it's kind of like a factory in there right now. It's We're getting pretty good at it. Got to have the the machine uh, mentality working working its way through. And uh, it's... Uh, have you tried your cheese corn? I, I'm halfway through. I, I made sure to save one bag back for the Super Bowl, so I actually have it for that. That was the whole purpose of, of, nice. uh, of getting it, but uh, the one bag is, is almost gone. But one <laughs> is in reserve there you go. For, for the big game. Uh, as we uh, dive into uh, news and notes for, uh, uh, for baseball here, there's just a couple of small things we'll talk about. Uh, first, uh, retirement. Uh, we'll cover Daniel Murphy, who had uh, a double-digit year career uh, with Major League Baseball. Solid career. Uh, excellent hitter. Uh, and uh, has now called it, uh, called it a career. Yeah, 35 years old, would have been 36 by this upcoming season. I think most people remember him for the Nationals years, right? The the Mets years before that kind of had a solid career, went to the Nationals, really burst out on the scene, and at the end of his career here, signed with the Rockies. I know for fantasy baseball purposes, I bid in big a few years ago. He was coming off like a 350 season with the Nationals, and he was going to the Rockies, and I saw DJ LeMayhew and... I think the bat slowed a little bit, and so it was never quite as good. He had a, the first year in Colorado was pretty good, but the last couple have been uh, pretty rough out there. So congratulations, Daniel Murphy. Like I said, it's very good career. And the uh, Milwaukee Brewers made a little bit of history here with their uh, a minor league coach, the first female coach in uh, Major League Baseball. Yeah, Sarah Goodrum, minor league hitting coordinator, is hired by the local team here. She was a softball player at Oregon and has – been hired to work as, I guess she's been working in the sports science lab for the Milwaukee for the last few years. And so they've decided to move her up to minor league hitting coordinator, making her the first woman to serve in that role. So good year for ladies in the sport of baseball with her and Kim Ong. I was going to say, definitely going to be referencing Kim again. We say this is uh, uh, in the coaching area. Obviously in executives, we've had uh, uh, Kim getting the first uh, general manager gig uh, this off season and now first in the, in the coaching department. So nice to see some of these uh uh, deserving ladies. Start, uh, deserving, deserving, absolutely. Right? Absolutely qualified. Go for it. And the uh, the one that just came out today, it's been talked about a little bit this week as we've been, we've mentioned it here that we're, we're running out of uh, runway 
as far as making a decision on when is this year going to start. We know that the uh, uh, those that are associated with the Arizona uh, Cactus League uh, have already sent uh, a request to Major League Baseball to delay the start of the year due to the uh, increased positive cases uh, that are happening with the coronavirus over there. Uh, there's been also some skirmish about that because this was also found out that the owners encouraged them to do so. And so the players obviously took that as a additional uh, end run around the threat with uh, the CBA and trying to delay things there. And it's always games uh, when it comes to these two. And so the question is, does spring training get delayed? Do things get pushed off? Well, as of today, about an hour before we started recording the podcast here, news broke out on, on Twitter, uh, reported by Jeff Passan and, uh, Buster Olney, uh, among others, about uh, MLB's proposal to the Players Association about a 154-game season uh, that would still allow the players to receive the full 100% uh, of their salary uh, and in return for uh, expanded playoffs, as in return for starting this, the season one month uh, later, but only extending it by one week. So there would be a few weeks of you know, doubleheaders double that would the be in there. Double header. Uh, and that was the proposal. And on paper, and I first saw that, and my first reaction to you was like, "Oh, this this Possible. sounds like uh, like a reasonable offer by uh, the MLB owners, which normally reasonable and them don't go together in the same sentence." So it, it struck me as a little bit like, "Ah, oh, we're actually trying to do something here." Productive. But then Passan and, and and only went under the hood to show why this deal won't be accepted. Uh, could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so the 154 games with the full pay, it sounds great, right? Like you, you think that you're going to get, Blake Snell loves getting paid. And then what happens is... He's got to get paid, Corey. He, he, does, love getting get his, paid. he does love getting his money. That is his thing. But what's happening is it all has to do with the playoffs and the fact that playoff revenue is only earned by those teams that make the playoffs and is not shared among all the other teams. So while you might get an expand stand-up, extended playoffs that shared money there does not get shared among the, the the teams well and also you have the as far as the players are concerned only i'd say about half of the revenue is is shared the ticket uh, mm-hmm. the ticket draw is is shared with the players the tv revenue is not uh, and that's a that will be probably one of the top two sticking points in the new CBA negotiations that are coming in another year. So the idea or the reason why this is not, uh, you think, well, why, why doesn't this make sense for the players? They're going to receive their full pay. Uh, it's going to be done. The season is going to be moved uh, a month later to uh, make sure the vaccine has more time to get through so fans more, more fans, fans can be in the stands. Uh, doesn't this sound like a win-win? Well, here's the problem. The players are already promised that 100% pay in their CBA, so you're not actually giving them anything. And the expanded playoff uh, revenue only benefits the owners. Fans in the stands, that stuff only benefits the the owners. The players are already getting something here, so they're not seeing anything here that benefits their side. There's There's no no extra. extra. It's just it's essentially the same thing that they have. Yeah, you get... Eight less, six less games? No, eight less games. I'm terrible at math here. Eight less games, but you squeeze it into a little shorter time, so you, where is it harder on your body? Have we? Was there any mention of the travel this year? Have we heard anything about travel? Are they going back to playing the full – I think it's going back it's to normal. the play old schedule, right? Yep. Full normal full normal year, and I still think that's the hands-on, the, the top bet, that we're just going to have the, the normal spring training start, normal regular season time. 
that's most likely what's coming uh, because ultimately MLB doesn't want to make any concessions on the playoff revenue yet because that's going to be they're going to want to get something for that in the new negotiations. So you're at this weird spot with it being a year away from when the big hash out needs to happen. So the odds of trying to come up with some sort of one-year agreement, each side thinks they need something else, it's just not going to work. And and that would be in normal sports negotiations world, let alone in the uh, MLB Players Union and the owners have the worst relationship of any of the sports uh, uh organizations that are out there so no one there's no trust that's there whatsoever so the odds of coming up with something else to move forward is not likely so uh, I would expect the season to start as normal and go from there here's what I would say about the season starting as normal yes I ex- at this point I think it will start as normal I don't know if they'll do spring training in Maricopa County if it'll all be in Florida that that's going to have to be figured out. I don't know why they have uh, – that should be talked about is moving all of it to Florida where it the seems – The public health departments and, and the counties are going to have some say in this. Yeah. So – and having been – you know, I've been watching basketball now. It's the sport that's going. Football's basically done. we got a, one game left here. COVID spread – there's the teams that are really getting hit hard right now. So if you've been watching basketball, there's a lot of teams that are having to cancel games because they don't have eight healthy players with contact tracing, which – we saw a little bit of it early in baseball. It was the Cardinals and the Marlins got hit hard, and the rest of the time they basically figured it out. But if they're going to do travel, expect to see and maybe the COVID, maybe the vaccine gets out quicker. But otherwise, I would expect to see more uh, contact tracing protocols, health and safety protocols this year in baseball too. And now we need to wait a couple of weeks to see if it was just a small blip just like it was in, in, in baseball. Floor, uh, football had that for like about a, a week there of really mm-hmm. being hit hard. So I, I don't want to overstate it, but part of this comes down to do you follow the uh, the added uh, don't go anywhere measures to actually allow this to happen or not? And usually when you're seeing these big things happen, you can trace it back to someone didn't follow the new protocols. Uh, and it's amazing how no one seems to get that through their head that this actually is something you have to do. Uh, but you have millionaires who want to go and do their own thing. and Usually young men who've made a lot of money in a very short amount of time. Uh, that invincible feeling. Yes. But anyways, uh, again, hands-on bet. Season starts as normal. After a 60-game season last year, I'm more than happy to have a, a regular start time. Spring training might have the, the disruption of all the Arizona teams. The Cactus League might end up in Florida uh, to start with. Uh, and uh, we'll see what happens. Because we still don't know if the uh, uh, based upon... Uh, what happens in Canada yet, uh, Toronto might already be coming to uh, Florida and Dunedin and uh, uh, having their regular season there. So it doesn't sound like Buffalo is the hands-on favorite anymore. It sounds like Dunedin will be the place if that happens, which will make the the Rays and uh, Blue Jays uh, rivalry that much more intense. And uh, that'll kick us, uh, close to kicking us off. There's one last thing we're going to talk about as we transition to free agency. And that's uh, first... uh, Mahashiro Tanaka is uh, heading back to Japan. We knew it just seemed like if it wasn't the pinstripes, odds on favor was that he was going to go back to Japan, and that's what ended up happening. Yeah, so we went back to the Rakuten Eagles, which is who we played for all the way back before he signed with the Yankees, and it was a two years. I think it was about seventeen million. It was announced as after spending what was it the last seven years here in the states. He's back and. He was really good last year. So I, last week we talked about our free agents. I had him as my second best pitcher still left on the market. They're, I'm surprised no team. Maybe he had that similar offer from a big league team here. And like you said, he either wanted to stay in New York or he wanted to go back to Japan. That's obviously his prerogative, his right. And so otherwise I find it hard to believe when 
that no team would match that deal. I, I think if it was going to be stateside, it needed to be double digits for him to stay. Otherwise, he was heading back. Uh, but uh, the, the other big uh, big one that doesn't connect to the teams that we're going to be talking about, and uh, an underrated guy that Your guy. Uh, that I, I really liked, was very high on, and again, a team that in the last year we've, we've highlighted them a lot of the underrated signings that they've made. This one fits it to a T. The San Francisco Giants signed Tommy LaStella to a three-year deal worth just under $20 bucks. Yeah, it's a good, it's 31, but it's 290, like you said. Kind of a DJ LeMahieu light, and he, I think he'll bat leadoff. I think he'll play kind of a utility role, a little second. We know Evan is not, he's getting up there. You can little third, good fit in real life, and it's going to, well, we'll see if there's a DH thing going on in the National League. I don't think that's going to happen at this point anymore, but I would expect LaStella to be a good player for the Giants. They had great production out of Solano last year at second, but that was kind of out of nowhere. Thanks for, for mentioning that because I think unless the players' union goes for the owner's offer uh, with a with a, a DH included, uh, unless that's the case, there's there, there will be no DH uh, this year. Uh, there's no the owners aren't going to offer it uh, unless the players take this type of deal, and it still doesn't seem likely that that happens, uh, which is why. Uh, as far as rumors go, we can address that real quick here. Uh, Nelson Cruz chatter has uh, picked back up for re-signing with uh, the Minnesota Twins. It's not a uh, deal in place yet, but the the sounds are getting louder uh, of, a, of a reunion. And again, he was the one that was going to wait as long as it took to find out if the National League would have a DH uh, to increase his market. Uh, the fact that, that chatter is picking back up now pretty much indicates that that's dead. Uh, Sounds like he's willing to take a one-year deal now. After being yep. so stuck with the two-year deal, which is fine, but it sounds like he's getting more willing to take the one-year deal. And that also means that's going to impact uh, Marcelo Zuna's market because uh, mm-hmm. some saw him as the uh, a DH. They didn't like the, the defensive things that were there. I think that's a little bit overstated, but uh, that's going to impact his market as well. Yeah, his market you don't hear too much about right now, actually. His market's been relatively quiet for the last few days. There was some rumors about... Perhaps the Yankees I saw us mentioned, and the Astros, who I mentioned, would make some sense for him, so we'll see. But we're going to dive in uh, next here with uh, free agent signings. We're going to talk about the nine-figure deal that took place. We're going to talk trades with uh, a big name going off the market. We yeah. uh, we said that there's no way that this deal could happen unless at least $50 million bucks was included with it. Well, that's exactly what happened. We're going to talk Nolan Arenado. We're going to talk JT Realmuto coming up next. My egg. Your eggs are cut, sir. Cut my milk. I can't, sir. It's liquid. Imbecile. Freeze it, then cut it. You, bring me the Wall Street Journal. You two, fight to the death. You are a madman. I want to party with you, cowboy. Now, you kids with your loud music and your Dan Fogelberg, your Zima, hula hoops, and Pac-Man video games, don't you see... People today have attention spans that can only be measured in nanoseconds. <laughs> be honest with you, I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Fulton fan. Yes! That's awesome! Well, we know that the Phillies are JT Realmuto fans, and... Uh, Dave Dombrowski uh, was able to uh, pry enough uh, funds up between the couch cushions for the Phillies owners to uh, get one more nine-figure deal uh, signed here. Uh, and again, when you gave up as much as they did, 
uh, to acquire him a year and a half ago. Uh, this one, it meant more to them than maybe some some others. Not that he wasn't uh, worth what he was getting here because uh, there was definitely some stiff competition for him, but they managed to get the deal done. And uh, Dombrowski, despite, uh, again, people were questioning that one as a, here's a, a big free agent uh, hunter going to a team who has said, we're not spending money. Uh, and he found a way at least to get enough to re-sign uh, their key player. Five years, 115 and a half, 20 million this year, and that's going to be about twenty, little under 24 million the next four years after that. It was probably down. We've said it's probably been a two-team race for a while. Once the Mets signed James McCann, it's the biggest ever contract for catcher, just barely over Joe Mauer. Joe Mauer was at 23. This gets him to 23.1. So JT Muto did get to be paid like the highest catcher ever, which is what he said. Average annual he value. Did not, yep. He did not get his unbelievable contract that he thought he might get, but he'll be signed in Philly. He'll be through. 34 and he, he definitely didn't get more than Posey or Maurer as far as overall no. contract yep. but in terms of average annual value he did surpass that and he'll you'd expect him to go right back to batting right behind Bryce Harper in that lineup and uh it, it's a good move for them of course he's the most versatile catcher in the game I would say and and we've said that if the Phillies want to compete in this division they still want to have a chance they needed him and ultimately, I think that's what swayed it in, in, in this direction. If you want to compete with uh, what the Braves are doing, with what the Mets are doing, uh, with what the Marlins are doing, like again, we said this is the most competitive division in baseball, and this was huge for them to be able to do that, but this wasn't their only big move of the week. Well, they needed a shortstop then, right? The DD was a free agent. They needed a shortstop, so what they do? They went back out and re-signed Didi, which... I think made, it made a lot of sense. It's always been a shortstop market. There's been different options out there, but I think all along it was sort of thought that DD was going to go back there. There was some talk about maybe Cincinnati would make sense, but I was impressed. DD got two years, $28 million, which is that's a pretty good deal, I thought, and we're going to talk about another one a little bit here that's even higher than I thought that he would get, but DD Rigoris, uh, good shortstop overall, going to go right back into his spot that he's used to. Can you remind me? I know they've also been working on their, uh, their bullpen, and it just escaped me. Who's their big bullpen additions that they've made that was jose alvarado and archie bradley are their two big bullpen additions they made so along with hector Neris, it's three i don't know who's actually going to close there actually i think it's going to be archie bradley along with alvarado and Neris setting it up but yeah it, i mean that was their weak spot all year was the bullpen right and so they made some improvements there while bringing back i think the starting lineup is going to end up being the exact same as last year at this point yeah it should be the exact same and then Matt Moore returns from uh, Japan uh, to finish off their uh, uh, free agent moves here this week. Yeah, so Matt Moore, one-time top prospect of the Rays, long, long time ago, who's bounced around baseball and last year went to, I don't remember which team, I don't have it in front of me, but one of the teams in Japan and had a nice season, which often happens with these guys. Was it the Nippon Giants? It could be. I can't, can't I'm not sure. remember. That's I don't have mine for some reason. Um, but yeah, another good year in Japan, which you often see that with some of these older guys who've struggled. They go over there, show their health, show the health, and you can learn a different way to pitch. I would say it's it's not like Matt Moore's always struggled. I would say with velocity and walks, like it it, it leads to him not having a good success as far as stranding runners and getting enough ground balls. So he doesn't have the overpowering fastball to make up when he gets behind in the count. Yeah. So. He's going to slot into the back of the rotation, but it's still it's a good rotation, right? We still talk about Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, and even Zach Eflin pitched pretty well at times last year. And then Matt Moore and Vince Velasquez are serviceable. Yeah, back back end uh, uh, serviceable arms uh, makes sense. Uh, that obviously that lineup is going to be what what drives them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, 
top heavy at the at the top of the rotation. Uh, but overall, a very solid uh, uh, offseason for them. They made some improvements to the bullpen, at least enough to get started. I'm sure they'll be very active at the trade deadline looking for additional arms. That's usually the best way to go if you're not getting some sort of front-line guy. Uh, so for a team that was talking about taking a step back financially, they managed to get uh, enough to keep the band together and see what can happen over a full 162-game season. I had a couple people hit me up that J.T. Romuto did not sign with the Washington Nationals. That is that is accurate. He did not. Uh <laughs> Thank you for reminding they, me. Wait. They just didn't. The Nationals decided to do the one-year deals, uh, and they didn't get truly serious uh, in any of the big player markets, and that helped the Phillies to keep him uh, to keep him there. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, and a good contract. And I think overall the right length. Uh, it it makes yep. sense at his age with stuff. I think there's a good chance that he can be still serviceable at the end of that contract. That's always the challenge. I think you're going right? to see him slowly transition to first base. Now, although they have Reese Hoskins there, but I think. Just like most catchers, at some point you start transitioning off catcher and moving to first unless you're superhuman like Yadier Molina, who we'll get to in a little bit here. He's got, I'd say, at least three of the five years of uh, potential primary catching. Goal, primary catching and still a, a chance for gold glove defense for at least two or two of the three. Uh, so, again, I think overall, as far as free agents go, a good deal. Uh, the rest of the National League East, there's only one other team that we're highlighting, and it's the Mets with just a small uh, uh, bullpen arm. Aaron Loop signs a one-year $3 million deal. Yeah, so that's a move from the Phillies to the Mets, so within the division there. And uh, I don't think, yeah, the financials haven't been announced yet, but Loop was also with Tampa Bay last year, right? He was spent time in Tampa Bay, actually, and uh, should fit. He's a lefty, so they'll fit in. I think the Mets are pretty right-handed if I hadn't looked last time in the bullpen. And uh, 22 strikeouts to four walks last year, a sub-one whip. Good signing. Did they get Brad Hand, or has that, not, or did he go elsewhere? I forget where he went to the Nationals. That's the one that was that, that didn't happen. So the the Mets, this is, again, they've gone with their, their second tier option has other than getting the uh, the, the Lindor trade, which was their prime the trade centerpiece deal yeah. there. But as far as free agency, they were more than happy to go for the the, the runner up from James McCann uh, to uh, uh, Jose Martinez. Thank, uh, Oh, is that the one we're talking about? Aaron Loop, there's uh, Trevor May, maybe yeah. Trevor May versus like going the uh, Liam Hendricks uh, mode, mm-hmm. and then if you didn't get uh, at Brad Hand price, you went for Aaron Loop. Aaron Loop was solid as a loogie last year, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, actually got an uptick in his fastball up to ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, uh, and showing some some life on things. So I think it's another solid signing for them. But that wasn't their big news uh, from the uh, the week. Uh, it's not often that uh, like ask someone how their week was. Well, I lost a billion bucks. How was yours? Uh, but Steve Cohen even, it doesn't even phase them, right? He's worth Steve Cohen bought the Mets earlier this year for a little over two and a half billion. He's worth something like fourteen and a half billion. He's the wealthiest owner. But I'm sure at this point, if you haven't seen the GameStop and the stock shortings that's happening in the country, I don't know what you've been living under the rock for the last week or whatever, but. Steve Cohen, that's how he makes his money, hedge fund managing, and I don't remember the name of his hedge fund off the top of my head, but yeah, he, he was betting big that GameStop would drop, and of course, Reddit users have pushed the price into absurd territory a few times, and so yeah, he lost hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, but don't worry, he's not hurting, and he will let you know it. 
there's a punk rock song uh, called uh, "When the, the Geeks Get the Girl," and uh, so this is <laughs> this is a shout out to all the nerds in the basement who uh, have made hedge funds owners lose their absolute minds and wallets uh, this week here. And uh, despite there's other things that went on as, as a result of that, uh, things that will leave for a, the political realm to uh, debate. But Do you as far when as this year was going to be like normal, <laughs> 2021 was supposed to come and it was going to be everything was going to be normal. COVID was going to get like defeated immediately, and here we are a month in and we got covid's going on the capital got invaded once right and now we have uh people in their basements attacking multi-billionaires message board uh, uh folks uh having more clout and power than hedge fund managers it's and the it, bernie sanders meme and, and to top it all off uh who's now made it by the way and uh someone has inserted him into different video games nice. as a character so nice. that's now there in a lot of different ways I'll so check that out I'll this is the, the 2021 where's waldo is, is <laughs> the bernie right. sanders yes. meme that's right this is just month one man strap said, in because said, it's like, uh, another 11 of these to go i remember when this is going to be the normal year i remember we're not that far removed here well if there's one word that's never been used to describe me it's that so i'm glad <laughs> the years have finally matched me uh, but uh, yeah, this is a. Uh, here's why it matters, though, and the reason why we're bringing it up it isn't just a ha ha moment for the the Mets owner it's who a also. Bit of that, there, though. there is a, definitely a little <laughs> bit of that there, uh, but you have a couple of lessons that again, it's amazing how despite being worth billions and you know, the level of intelligence and talent it takes to get there, to, it, these people are not dumb. No, uh, you, no. you don't get uh, earned at this level without having the, the talent behind it uh, uh, to, to do these things. And so congrats to them for having that talent, for succeeding, and, and all those things there. But it's amazing how dumb they can be in other areas. For example, it, it goes into messaging. Uh, and, and number one, history, which everyone in this country is, is woefully lacking intelligence in history. If there's one problem, especially in our country, it's a lack of historical intelligence. So number one here, the reason why why this became a story for the Mets, not just because the Mets owner lost it, uh, lost a billion dollars this week, but it's will this impact in the Mets finally, for Mets fans, you finally got on the right track. You know, all these nice things are happening. You have the issue with your uh, uh, GM, which already got off the wall there. Now this week is dominated by your owner losing a million bucks or billion bucks. And this happened to your last owners with the Ponzi scheme with the Wilpons and who then stopped spending money. And that franchise was just there to try to eke some of that profit back to them of what they lost. So again, if you're a Mets fan, you absolutely have every right to ask, are we about ready to see version 2.0 when we didn't even get a chance to enjoy the deep-pocketed owner that we were hoping to finally climb out of the last situation? And so that became the, the issue. He brings it up as, first, A, not getting why people are thinking, why does one thing become the other? Again, lacking the historical understanding of, of what has just happened in New York. Mm -hmm. And then number two, rule of thumb, unless your name is Mark Cuban, there is no owner... No billionaire this way who's going to connect and be the cool owner with the fans. He's trying to act like he's an every man on Twitter. He was with listening the to him. He traded for Lindor, man. And so he he's trying to <laughs> act like look at look at what I've done, and I I get it. But there's one rule in Twitter that is that is universal. Avoid it's the across trolls. the board. Do not feed the trolls. That's right. Uh, and. And he got into it with a whole lot of people. And so now he has uh, made his final statement and is off Twitter after a, uh, uh, other things that have now taken place. So it's a, again, two rules. Know your history and don't feed the trolls. I think if you, if you can do that well in this country, you're going to get through a lot of different things. We'll see. 
it sucks to be Steve Cohen to lose that much money. Like, of course, now I said he's not hurting. That and, same and, day, and now he's come out and finally said, no, this will not impact no, on-field spending. No, yeah, because we still think they're one of the favorites to get Trevor Bauer. But that same day that he lost all that money, they made a trade to the Blue Jays. They traded Steven Matz to the Blue Jays, and it was kind of thought that maybe they were trying to save money. Well, it comes out, obviously, it didn't matter. I think Steven Matz is making like $5 million this year. Now, they got three prospects back in return, and I would say this. Uh, let's put Steven Matz on the sort of – uh, Robbie Ray list. He doesn't walk as many as Robbie Ray and Tyler Chat. When he walks just under three, his thing was at least last year, uh, unbelievable home run rate, like unworldly four home runs per nine innings just caused his ERA to go over nine. Now, much like Corbin Burns two years ago, that is extremely unlucky. You do not give up home runs on over 3% of, on 33% of your fly balls. That's really unlucky. So while I think he's not great, I don't think he's a nine ERA guy. I think he's better than Robbie Ray. I think he's better than Tyler Chatwood, and I don't mind the move for the Blue Jays, and I actually don't mind the move for the Mets. I mean, Woods Richardson is actually one of my, uh, I won't say favorite prospects, but a good prospect for them. Again, first the thought was getting rid of uh, of him, cleared up money to potentially even Brad Hand uh, for the bullpen, or again, people were thinking, here's a way to clear a, a uh, rotation spot and a little bit of additional money to throw at uh, Trevor Bauer. We'll see if that actually happens. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Uh, I didn't mean Simeon Woods-Richardson. I meant Sean Reed Foley. I said the wrong name. Gotcha. Thank you. And for the Blue Jays, I want one good thing, one questionable thing. So one good thing is a different signing that took place this week. Marcus Simeon, uh, uh, again, they were they were in the Francisco Lindor sweepstakes. They were in on, the, on DJ LeMayhew. Uh, Apparently, they were determined to get a uh, middle, infielder. Uh, middle infielder, and they did with Marcus Simeon. So Simeon is going to play second, we think, which I thought would be Haseon Kim at one time, so it makes sense that they're going to move Simeon to second. I don't think he's played there since the White Sox days, which is a while ago, but he's done it before, and one year, $18 million. That is an impressive contract. I was floored when I saw him got, he got one year, $18 million. That's pretty much at the qualifying offer and didn't think he would, would get that uh, coming off the, the down season. I think of it like this. It's a prove-it deal too, right? So if he yep, comes yep. out and he has that 2019 season on arguably the best lineup that he's – I don't know if it's arguably, probably the best lineup he's ever been in, probably batting second right behind Springer, I would think, in front of Bichette probably. Uh, goes off, shows he can be even more versatile, play another position, and then you'd expect to get paid pretty handsomely next year. What are they doing with Biggio then? I would expect him to play third. Okay, move so Vlad to first would be my guess, and put Vlad at DH. And, and apparently, he's he's uh, trimmed down. Uh, was the, uh, the the rumor uh, on his uh, uh, physique? So uh, roster in the roster resource has Springer batting first, and then Simeon at second, Bichette batting third, playing short, and yeah, Kevon Bijou they have at third with Vlad playing first. Yep, that's what I would. That's the way I do it too. So roster resource and I are in agreement. Although they have Randall Grichik on the bench, and I would. D.H. Randall Gritchick instead of... I actually don't mind Rowdy Telez, so it's debate, whatever. I think it's going to be matchup-based uh, uh, for that one. I definitely think that'll be be, be part of it. Uh, so, again, I like the Simeon move. The, the Mats move just leaves me befuddled. Like, uh, for all the... Uh, they chased that uh, uh, that lineup. They wanted to make sure they had their position players. George Springer, Marcus Simeon, these are excellent additions to this team. And that was already pretty solid offensively. Yeah, now just put themselves right up there with uh, uh, the elite offenses in the in the all of baseball. As well as they've done with that is the all the question marks of that rotation. Again, Hyunjin Ryu was an excellent signing uh, that they had last offseason. Worked out great. 
Uh, and I still like him at the top there. Nate Pearson is a young up-and-coming arm, now healthy from Tommy John. So it's good to see him coming back. But the rest of that rotation is massive question marks. Robbie Robbie Ray is the definition of a question mark, and that's even being uh, polite at this point. Tyler Chatwood, uh, another one that uh, in the top five, right? So might as, might as well say bottom five in Major League Baseball as far as uh, uh, Control, Contact. control, yeah. and so that is uh, that stat was out through this this past week on repeatable delivery. That was the 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 stat that came out this week, and he was in the bottom five of being able to do it, which is what leads to a higher walk walk rate. Now you're adding in uh, Stephen Matz, Stephen Matz, and th- these are all question marks, but they are pursuing lefties, Robbie Ray yeah. and Stephen Matz. It's kind of an interesting approach. I don't know, and this is what we do, at least think we know right now, is that, like you said, they're going to be playing in Dunedin, which what I know about minor league parks is they're usually smaller, so uh, that ain't going to help your fly ball prone pitchers that you are seem to be acquiring here. Now, like I said, your, your offense is great. They have, I think it's the best offense in the game right now, I, I, I don't know, at least in the American League. It's so right up there with the White Sox, but are you going to be able to keep guys off the board? Good free agent additions with bats, and then you have your young players that you're expected to take another step mm-hmm. up. That offense was still going to improve just off your young players' further development. Fangraphs uh, so. has their projections up here. They have Obichette projected for 25 home runs, 27 stolen bases, and a 284 average. That's an incredible year for a guy that's not quite 23 yet. And Kevon Biggio is uh, a mm-hmm. batting champ in waiting. He has mm-hmm. excellent contact ability, among among other skills. So we'll obviously be watching the Blue Jays as we move forward too. But the the question mark of that of that rotation, if anything does them in this year, it's going to be that. That's what we'll look back on. So we'll wait and see how that goes. And the rest of the AL East, we have uh, a shortstop and a couple of. Uh, uh, bullpen arms that have made their way there. Let's do the shortstop. So Freddie Galvis, another. This is why the Reds were worried about their shortstop, which we'll get to in a little bit. But Freddie Galvis, one year, one and a half million. He is going to Baltimore. Uh, small contract. He only batted two twenty last year in this forty seven games, but he did hit seven home runs. And uh, Galvis is very good defender. He's played second. He's played short. I would expect him to serve as the shortstop for Baltimore. They're replacing Jonathan VR, who we mentioned last week, is still a free agent. And uh, expect a good defense, not a whole lot of offense out of Freddie Galvis. And uh, as the free as the shortstop market uh, now dries up, uh, the Cincinnati Reds are the ones that are left holding the bag. Yeah, so they made a move. I mean, they were rumored to be one in Marcus Simeon. They were rumored to be with Didi. They were rumored to be with Freddie Galvis coming back, and they're all gone. And Jerks and Profar signed. And so the, the talks are now, is it going to be D. Strange Gordon, who it used to be just D. Gordon, to play shortstop for him? There's been talk of a trade for Willie Adamas. And they did acquire a former first-round pick in the rule, who was drafted this year in the Rule 5 draft by the Phillies by the last name of Holder. I do not know much about him, but I believe that is their projected opening day shortstop unless Jose Garcia is going to be there again. He was there last year. So that's the team that they need a shortstop. We'll see if they make another move yet. The big rumor that we can at least mention with it is uh, centers around the, the Tampa Bay Rays shortstop Willie Adamas uh, mm-hmm. is one of the guys that they're targeting here. And if Wonder why happens, that is. Ooh, that's a good one. Wander, get it? I, I wonder why this. Well done. Thank you. So uh, with uh, what's the, uh, they have Joey Wendell that could handle the first half of the year uh, mm-hmm. until uh, Wander Franco, who again, across the board, all the, uh, and maybe we'll have to include that next week. We need to talk about uh, 
Uh, we should probably pause and look at the, the top 100 prospects in baseball. We have uh, all of those lists have come out from uh, fan graphs, from Baseball America. MLB unveiled theirs uh, this week. You have Keith Law who did his. So all of the prospect rankings have come out. And uh, across the board, there's 100% uh, unanimous decision that Wander Franco is the best uh, prospect in all of baseball and waiting for him to make his major league debut at age 20. Uh, and we'll see how long that takes. But uh, uh, as far as the Willie Adamas, uh, what makes him now available, though it might be a year early for that, but depending upon the trade, uh, what makes him uh, an interesting target, obviously, is because who's coming up after him. But he fits the Reds as far as someone that has uh, four years of team control. Uh, and so that's going to be one that, that makes a lot of sense. If a deal gets made, Tyler Molly uh, is the big name that's being mentioned there, a young pitcher who had a breakout year last year. Uh, Rays obviously have a little bit of a need in that rotation at this point after Blake Snell and uh, Charlie Morton. So that one might have some legs here. Uh, we'll see whether or not it happens, but uh, that's the interesting one. Oh, let's talk some of these AL East relief pitcher signings quick here. So Darren O'Day went to the Yankees. I believe it was just a one-year deal. Yeah, one-year deal to be with the Yankees, and uh, pitched great last year at the Braves. Only 16 innings, but a 110 ERA, limit, limited the walks, struck out a lot of guys, and the year before was doing the same thing. Now, he's only pitched 20 innings combined the last two seasons, so all the small sample side caveats apply here, even more so than usual, but uh, left-handers, right? They can – or sorry, he's, he's right-handed. I'm like, excuse me, I'm wrong on that. He's a right-handed pitcher. So. I, I've always, thought, always had the left-handed thing yeah, in my mind with him, too. I was wrong on that one, so there's one there, but – the reason they had a sudden gap in their bullpen is the Red Sox pulled off the rare Red Sox to Yankees trade, or the Yankees traded to the Red Sox. They traded Adam Ottavino, the former right-handed pitcher who, from the Yankees who used to be with the Rockies, is now with the Red Sox. And that one seemed like a salary dump more so than anything because what the return, I don't know if I've still heard what the return was. I think it was just a player to be named later or cash. And Ottavino was owed, I think, yeah, $8 million this next year. So I thought maybe it was get him out there and find money for Masahiro Tanaka, but that did not happen. So far, the Yankees have not used uh, those those funds at this point, so we'll see what, the, what their interest is uh, uh, in that because this is a, a pure salary dump type of a, a move. The, the Red Sox like his upside overall, and, and uh, other than last year's, again, it was a weird year, especially for relievers. It's hard to rate too much with it. Uh, but uh, he was a highly effective late-inning reliever that they're going to now slot into their ninth-inning role. And I was actually watched. I looked at Adovino a little more, and he had one just horrendous start, or not start, relief appearance last year where he gave up six earned runs without getting an out, which bumped his ERA way up there. I think it was against maybe the Blue Jays. Otherwise, it was basically what he's done the rest of his career, right around a three ERA. I, I like that move for the for the I Red Sox. Uh when we come back, we're going to take a look at the uh, the AL and NL Central uh, and looking at a lot of big moves that have happened, including the big trade of Nolan Arenado, who is now making his way to St. Louis, uh, and a lot, of, uh, a lot of interesting takes on that that have uh, been there, so that'll be coming up. You can take away our phones, and you can take away our keys, but you cannot take away our dreams. That's right, because we're like sleeping when we have them. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room 
is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Nolan Arenado is now uh, what seemed unlikely uh, at the start of the offseason, especially in with the pandemic offseason. Who is taking on this massive contract? Uh, we mentioned early on that this was uh, St. Louis has done it before. Matt Holiday, if you remember back uh, back in the day with that uh, trade with Colorado and then re-signs with, uh, with only one year left on his deal and re-signs with uh, uh, the Cardinals. Seven years, $119 million, if I'm remembering right. Uh, and here it happens uh, uh, again. We said this would be a perfect fit. Uh, the Cardinals are in desperate need of offensive punch, uh, and they get a uh, what, like a six-time Gold Glove uh, winner to go along All with right. that. Here's the deal about Nolan Arenado, and we, we don't know the return on this yet. I don't think it's officially been finalized as far as we know, but Nolan Arenado is going to play third base for the Cardinals. But whenever you talk about Nolan Arenado, and I think he's a Hall of Fame caliber player, I think... On projection. He's, he's the, definitely on pace. He was one of the rare players that was an active player that made our GOAT list last year. And uh, But here's the deal. He's a 322 career average at home, which is going to happen in Colorado, but he's a 263 career average on the road. So we've seen he's great players adjust. Like we've, got, we've seen great players adjust. Matt Holiday, you mentioned, TJ LeMahieu. I'm sure you're going to think of another one if I think long enough, but it's not like he's bad on the road. Now, I don't expect Nolan Arenado to hit 300 again this season at, at St. Louis, and he's basically done that right around there every year of his career until this last season, which was 253. I think 270-ish is reasonable, yeah. but I don't expect the 40 home runs that we've seen in Colorado. I don't expect the 315 average. I think he'll be very good. I would be perfectly fine if you told me he hit 27 home runs, had... Uh, I don't know how good their lineup's going to be. 90-ish RBIs. And that's a fine player, and he's going to play gold all-world defense over there. Probably the best third baseman in the game as far as defense is concerned, or him or Matt Chapman. But until we know the return here, I'm going to say it's a good trade for St. Louis. And when it comes to the Rockies, you never know what they're thinking. Who knows what they're going to do? I hope they get some good prospects in return, and then they actually utilize them. But it is Colorado. I just don't understand what it is uh, that that Colorado's doing. Like it, it, ever, it, yeah. That's pretty much how they've been. Take a look at where they have spent money and then where they don't want to spend money. Again, we said even though the, the Cardinals were a fit, it was going to take at least uh, based upon where his average, what experts or and analysts have said, executives. There we go. That's the word I'm going for here. Have said his value is that the. The Rockies would have to at least include fifty million dollars or eat fifty million of his of his contract in order to move him, and that's exactly what it took. But the thought was, if you did that, you would at least get solid prospects in return. return. And across the board, everyone has said the return is underwhelming. Uh, from what is reported out there right now, again, we're waiting for things to be finalized. Uh, Nolan Arenado, in order to uh, waive his his no trade contract, another year and fifteen million bucks was added to his deal. Uh, be nice. And uh, so everyone got something except the Rockies. Uh, and I, the there's some who said, okay, if you're going to trade him, then do the do the rest of it. Burn this to the ground, get the best prospects you can, and do the rebuild. But it sounds like they're ready just to keep things as is. They just got his contract off the books, and mm-hmm. now they want to move forward with this, and it's just not going to work. I'd say this at this point. 
I think I know more what the Pirates are doing at this point than I do with the Rockies. Because yeah, at this point, I don't know That's what the, the Pirates positive of yeah, the week. It makes it, it makes. I've seen them. They're tearing it all down, right? They're tearing it all down. They're getting prospects, lots of them, not none super high end, but a lot of mid level prospects, and it makes sense. Whereas at this point, the Rockies should trade Trevor Story unless you're going to find a way to pay him, which it doesn't seem. But you just paid fifty million to get rid of a great player, so I don't think you're paying Trevor Story. Uh, Charlie Blackman, I you got to get moved. He's 35. Like, he's not going to be there when you're in contention. And you have Herman Marquez, move it. Like, John Gray, move him. Whatever you can get at this point, you've got to start acquiring players. They're going to be 10 games under 500, uh, if that even works well enough there. Uh, on a, if That's their peak, and that's what they're aiming for, and that's not going to especially uh, take a look at what's happened in the NL West. Now is the time to tear it down. Uh, because you have two other teams that are at their absolute peak. Arizona is still lurking there as well to at least be competitive. You have no shot in this division. No, and not especially at all. not after trading your not franchise player uh, and, and moving on. So pick a direction. Don't stick on the mediocrity merry-go-round and actually have a plan. But that's the problem. In Colorado, there is no plan. And we've seen that for about the last uh, half decade to decade here. Uh, and it's been unfortunate. Uh, one quick note on the uh, Nolan Arenado as far as his home away splits. I'll go back to 2019, the last full year that there was. He did bat 277 uh, away. His power numbers were the same. In 77 games at home, he had 21 home runs. In 78 games away, he had 20 home runs. So I think the power is going to be there. Uh, and uh, overall, in, in a better lineup. And that's going to help him, too. There's going to be better lineup protection with with uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, Tommy Edmund is solid. He had a weird year this year, but overall I, I believe in his his bat. Uh, I think this is going to be a, a good fit all around. I think you're going to have a uh, – I think Nolan happens. Arenado is going to be happy there. Yeah. I think Nolan Arenado is going to yeah. love it in St. Louis. But I, I just don't – I don't think he's quite – if you're expecting Nolan Arenado to be the same player that he was in Colorado – the the numbers aren't going to back that Correct. up. Correct. So yeah, I think he'll, he's still very young. He's still very talented. You're yeah. still looking at a top three third baseman in the National League. Yep. The uh, counting stats won't be quite the same, and it's correct. not anything that say Nolan Arenado's regressing from his talent. It's just St. Louis isn't Coors Field. And so again, that will matter more from a fantasy standpoint than it sure. will from a per, uh, overall performance on field standpoint for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. One of the few teams uh, that is actually in the NL Central that is making moves uh, for this this next year. And they made another couple. I don't know if these are confirmed yet or not, but we it's all but guaranteed at this point that bringing both, their guys back. Yeah, the the St. Louis legends of Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina are both expected to re-sign soon if they have not already at this point, and. Uh, they're obviously they're old veterans. Adam Rainwright's going to be forty years old before the season's done. I think Molina's right around that age if he's not already to that point. And so, it's just bringing it back, re-rolling it, and adding Nolan Arenado to a team that was made the playoffs last year, right? And condolences to the Milwaukee Brewers for <laughs> uh, or the the runner-up participation uh, award in free agency. Uh, there's finally. Uh, rumors about the Brewers being active or interested in people. They were interested in Tommy LaStella. They were interested in Marcus Simeon. Uh, They're interested in Eddie Rosario. Uh, And uh, swing and miss 0 for 3 uh, on those. There's still some people left. Now, 
at least because I have to at least tantalize a lot of our folks here listen in the, the Milwaukee area and are sure. big Brewers fans. So we can at least tantalize that we have heard that Marcelo Zuna. There's some, there's some talk uh, about Marcelo Zuna. been uh, a possibility there. And they like they're all offense, no defensive guys. And so that would be a definite uh, influx to that offense that needs a shot in the arm. Well, what we know is about Rosario, he, we'll talk about him in a minute here, but he did sign this week and the Brewers wanted him to play first. So... Yep. I don't know if Azuna will be willing to play first. Uh, obviously, El Garcia could probably play first. And like you said, it, it's a team that's shown they, they put Mike Moustakas at second, and he was actually surprisingly good there. But they've shown they don't really care about your defense. It's kind of like what the Nationals are doing. They're going to try to bludgeon you out there and take the chances that they're going to beat you that way. So, yeah, hold out hope, Brewers fans. There's still Marcelo Azuna left out there. It's Yassi a threat, but it's still there. It's, yeah, that's right. Small, but there. You want to talk about your Rosario? Uh, let's grab uh, Jack Peterson to the, the Cubs. That'll, the that'll Cubs. finish up our NL Central uh, news here. Jack Peterson to the Cubs. One year, $7 million. So, Jack Peterson is almost identical to Kyle Schwarber. I believe I said that on this podcast last week, that I think that Jack Peterson and Kyle Schwarber are basically the same player. Slightly better defense. That's the only difference. It, it's fractional. Like it, He's not. He's got this reputation as being a good defender. He's really not. He's okay. He's better than Schwarber, like you said, who's terrible at defense. But... Here's what the way the Cubs can look at it. They saved $3 million, right? Schwarber got $10 million. Jack Peterson they got for $7 million. You run it back, put him out in center field, and see what you get. Or left field? I don't know. Center or left, one of the two, and see what you get out of him. And that wraps up the NL Central. We'll switch uh, leagues to the AL Central, where the uh, Indians made a couple moves, including uh, Eddie Rosario. Let's start with Eddie Rosario. Well, actually, let's start with Cesar Hernandez, who's just a re-sign by him. They, here's the weird part about it. Solid Cesar Hernandez. Bat. Absolutely, but... They just traded for two middle infield players in the Francisco Lindor trade. They got Andre Jimenez, they got Ahmed Rosario, and now you bring back your second baseman and Cesar Hernandez. So suddenly, one of those guys is expendable. So that's why we've heard Ahmed Rosario mentioned to the Reds. We've heard Ahmed Rosario maybe moving to center field, but now they have a new outfielder. And so they're adding players, which is shocking considering that we just thought this was a team that was looking to dump salary. And now they're adding uh, Eddie Rosario got 1 million or 7 million for one year too, I believe I'll check that. Well, and Cesar Hernandez uh, has a, a, a club option. Uh, nice. If I'm not mistaken for that. So it's one year, 5 million, but with a 20, 2022 club option. So uh, this wasn't a strict uh, one year deal as they try to give themselves a little more flexibility uh, into the, the following season. But yeah. again, they, they need contact bats and you would think that uh, Ahmed Rosario, he's, he's no Lindor, but he's at least solid. Uh, that one seems to fit there, but yeah, how do they make their, their glut of middle infielders work? So Rosario's, going to make $8 million this year, and he should play left, which it starts off with the two switch hitters, right? You're going to put Cesar Hernandez probably towards the top, and then you're going to bet Jose Ramirez second, and then you're looking at Rosario, but by the middle of, by the bottom of your lineup, you have right now that's projected for Jimenez, Mercado, and Daniel Johnson. Now, Ahmed Rosario could play outfield. There was talk of that, but only a couple years removed from Oscar Mercado being considered a pretty good prospect in his own right. Now, he was fell out of favor a little bit last year. They demoted him to the minors at times, so... I don't quite know what's going on with this team. It's a uh, strange, and yet Cleveland has enough pitching to still be interesting uh, uh, this year. So it'd be interesting it, to watch when the other teams seem to be acquiring. Now Eddie Rosario is a fine offensive player. You know what you're going to get: two seventy-ish average, twenty home runs. Cesar Hernandez, fine offensive player, but his other teams seem to be acquiring offense. Where we see Toronto just trying to bludgeon teams, and Nolan Arenado is getting at it. This team is going to be. It's going to be still built around their pitching. Absolutely, and uh, the the team that. Uh, already has the offense and is looking for 
some other stuff around the edges. Well, first we have to see if Nelson Cruz returns, but uh, uh, another shortstop off the board, uh, defensive uh, gold glover aficionado, uh, Andrelton Simmons. This is a team that seems to be looking for the defense. So yeah. Andrelton Simmons, one year, $10.5 million to the Minnesota Twins, and what that does is pushes Jorge Polanco to second base and moves Luis Arias probably to a utility role. Now, like you mentioned, Andrelton Simmons has won four gold gloves up there. They also have Byron Buxton, who is arguably the best center fielder in the game at this point. Uh, Josh Donaldson's an excellent third baseman, and Jorge Polanco was good. Uh, This team should be able to pick some defense. In the... COVID shortened season, uh, 126, uh, 127 plate appearances. Simmons actually was was solid as a, again as a contact bat, 297 batting average, 348 on base percentage to go along with his defense. That was uh, uh, overall pretty uh, pretty impressive. Now again, uh, is that the level of his bat? It was pretty much at 100 WRC plus, so right at the le- league average with his uh, amazing defense. How many games did he play? That was 30. Yeah, because he opted out in the middle of that. Remember that? He was concerned about COVID about eh, maybe like two weeks, three weeks left, and he he opted out, I remember. So, yeah, he was – he's not a slouch on offense, right? It's not like you're getting nothing out of him. He's just famous for the defense. Yeah, so he's not an uh, all-glove, no-bat, but he does give you that glove immensely. And then a bat that's at least at the bottom of your order, he's going to keep things moving. And this team has plenty of bats, right? Absolutely. We've said this is not a team that's lacking in, in hitting either at this point. If they bring Nelson Cruz back, they're basically running it back with the same offense plus Andrelton Simmons. And again, as we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, that uh, the rumors have picked up, the the chatters picked up that Nelson Cruz is, is closer to re-signing. The interest is there. The renewed negotiations have begun. And to me, again, that was always the, the key. He was going to wait for the uh, NLDH discussion to happen, and now that's pretty much there. He's no longer looking for that that two-year deal. He's now looking at one. The Twins want him back. He loves being there. He was used for recruiting tools for other sports teams in the Twin Cities. Uh, This one seems likely to happen, and uh, that'll be the the next key thing for the Minnesota Twins, who have now improved their up-the-middle defense uh, and made what was already a strength even stronger. I think we got another last one here, and that is the Detroit Tigers signing Wilson Ramos to a one-year, $2 million deal. And last year was rough for the former pretty highly regarded, actually a couple all-star teams in there, highly regarded catcher, but the Mets declined his option, which was always going to happen. They were not going to pay him $10 million. But this is just another move for the Tigers, and we've talked about the Tigers. They brought in Robbie Grossman, they brought in Wilson Ramos, and they brought in Jose Urania. And yeah, there's nothing super special about any of those players, but it kind of reminds me of what the Marlins did last year. I don't think they're going. I don't think they're going to be competitive like the Marlins. But let's say Wilson Ramos gets off and has a good start, like like we've seen him have in the past, and on a one year deal, that's somebody you flip and you you build this team. This team is not that far away from having some really good players coming. So. I kind of like what Detroit's doing. The question is, how much has the bat slowed uh, for for Wilson Ramos? And he's only a year removed from a 288 uh, average, 351 on base percentage, uh, and hit 14 home runs. So again, this is a, a guy who can be a very nice addition. The overall defense is is still solid. He's he's no he has the reputation of being a subpar defender, but it's in a couple of key categories. He's not a pitch framer, which again when you the question becomes fit as far as you have young pitchers here and you want to have a, a catcher who can help them. 
that's not necessarily what he's known for, and he will frustrate the daylights out of you with pass balls. Uh, Is this the year of the... Are we on the auto auto umps this year? I don't not, I don't even yet. remember what we're I at anymore on that. He's the one that would benefit the most. I don't from even that. remember where, like I thought that would be a COVID big news story, that. but I've forgotten all about that. So yeah, I, he's a catcher, right? He's a catcher, like I said. If he gets off to a hot start on a cheap deal like that, by the middle of the year, the some contending team, useful. some contending team will be interested. They can flip him for a prospect or two and. This is probably a team that's not competing this year, but we know that Matt Manning is coming. Casey Mize is coming. Tariq Skubal's already been there. so and Especially for $2 bucks, That's yeah. a, that's a solid signing to see if there's anything left there. That's right. Well, that wraps up our coverage here for uh, for this week. Again, there's still, uh, like you said before we started here, seven of your ten uh, top bats left signed this week. Yeah, let me pull it back up here from last week. So I had it from last week where the guys that signed were, where are we at? So JT Ramuto, Marcus Simeon, DD, Andrelton Simmons, Jack Peterson, and Eddie Rosario all signed this week. So we're down to from my list, Marcella Zuna, Justin Jackie Turner. Bradley Jr., and Justin Turner were the three in the top ten that are still left on the market. And the money is Justin Turner re-signs if the if the Dodgers don't uh as the dark horse candidate for Trevor Bauer. If that doesn't happen, I think money goes to, to Turner. As from the bats that are left there, that one as a reunion always makes sense, but it depends I, if they put their money into Trevor Bauer. I thought Jackie Bradley was going to sign already. I thought he would have been either in New York Met after George Springer signed or back to Houston, or to back to Houston, to Houston for the replace one of their outfielders. And that one still seems likely yeah. uh, to happen there. The, the defense makes a lot of sense. Uh, Ozuna is the wild card. He's the one that you can't say that there's a front runner for his services. We could we could pretty much pigeonhole or be able to identify two or three key teams. I forget if it was Buster only or who it was who said the it's highly unlikely was the quote uh, that uh, Ozuna returns to the Braves. Here's the I just pulled it up. So this was almost a week ago though. But Hector Gomez, who's out of the Dominican Republic, reports that he was look, seeking a four plus year contract, and the interest was coming from the Red Sox, which. You're not putting him at DH because that's where J.D. Martinez plays, so they have to think he can play the outfield. Well, if Manny can do it uh, <laughs> and, uh, with the green monster, that would that's make right. sense there too. The Yankees, which they're not playing him at DH because they have plenty of injury players already on that team. Neither the, one of those teams fit. No. The Dodgers, I mean, you can, at this point they basically get mentioned with everybody good, which yeah, why would you bring him in? No, their defense, that, and also that, his his personality is a little like you can disrupt stuff in that clubhouse. Where where would he play? Who's am I forgetting? Somebody even left? Like they have Mookie Betts. You're not playing over yeah. Mookie Betts. You're not playing over Cordy Bellinger. Who's the other outfielder? That's I got to think about it. It was Chris Taylor and uh, Chris, and playing. Jock Peterson, right? Like, yeah, so Jock Peterson's there, gone. I suppose I you could make the case that he's. I think who's in left one? But that's AJ a, Pollock. You're not playing like even uh, yeah, Pollock. Not there that you go. Not better than AJ Pollock, but I'm not for what that team needs. What else are you gonna? Why would you do that? I, the Mets. I mean, yeah, sure. I guess if you really want to, you could do it. The Twins. Yeah, yeah. If you don't bring in Nelson Cruz, but otherwise, once again, why? I guess you could replace Eddie Rosario with him. But I said I love Alex Kirloff. I think he's good. And the Brewers, and, and we know they need defense so, or offense. So yeah, you you have some teams that'll be lying in wait, but I think people said it a while ago. The evaluators have said it, as a COVID related crunch. Uh, Ozuna was the one who was going to be left frozen out here, and it sure seems like it's lining up that way. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, uh, this next week with that. Uh, Trevor Bauer, to see what happens with him. Those are the key uh, big free well, agents that are that are left, left there. Uh, and I think just about with trades, we're almost wrapping up. Maybe a Willie Adamas trade can happen, but that's still less Some than 50-50 at this point. So I, we're just about at the big trade. So next week, uh, 
Let's take some time and take a look at that. Uh, what is the minor league report? What are the top prospects that are there? Uh, and uh, see where things evaluate after a... Uh, uh, you got to do your right fielders too sometime, dude. There is that. You got to do your right fielders. I got mine I, I, keep, I keep prolonging you that. You do keep, I keep pushing holding it that off. Uh, but we do need to get uh, get that one done okay. as well. So those are the two off-season things that we'll be taking a look at here. Okay. Take a look at the state of the state of the minors as well as our uh, GOAT uh, series finishing up with our right fielders. So with that, we'll uh, catch you next week. Take care. Thank you.